I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. Here we are once again to dive into a bit of film chit-chat, but obviously we're not just going to scratch the surface, we're going to go deep and dive very far into everything that this film has to offer. And of course, it's not just me rambling on, it's my good friend and film fanatic, Callum. Callum, welcome once again. Thank you for joining for a nice little film-based conversation. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Um, film-based conversation. Love that. Uh, yeah, no, fine. Um, just uh, happy camper, as it were. Good. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad. How's life been for you recently? We're into the new year now. We're a, a few weeks in. The Christmas period is is long behind us. Are you enjoying what 2023 has to offer? Yeah, well, a new year, new me, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, I've... I'm making. I'm. I'm actually going to try and read more this year. What have you been um, uh, ripping through recently? Uh, I've nearly finished. Um, well, I finished Kitchen Confidential, um, the Anthony Bourdain's memoir. I finished that very recently, and then I've nearly finished um, a Brace Nellis non-fiction book called White, which is. Um, uh, the first 150 pages are very interesting in the sense that it talks about his sun-drenched 1970s uh, sort of adolescence watching horror movies and falling in love with movies and film. Um, and then the I would probably say the last 200 pages have just been quite a, a rant about how you can't say anything these days. Um, it sounds like a real it, literary journey. It's, I mean, it, it, it's interesting... It's interesting. That's all I can say. It's interesting. That word "interesting" can be interpreted in many different ways. Well, but I, we are not in, we are not in the business of slander. So I will just say it's interesting. We'll draw a line under that. And I, well, I think this is a good opportunity for a little plug as well, because not only have you been reading yeah, as this absolutely. year started, you've been doing a little bit of writing. Do you want to tell the yes. eager-eared listeners about what you've been up to? Well, you know, if if you get bored of listening to our voices, um, you can now read what I've written. Um, we've started a blog, um, the Glass A Film Club uh, blog. The link is on our Instagram page. It is also on uh, the Glass A Media website. I also posted the link in our story very recently. So um, that is our blog. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's uh, provocative one might argue. Um, if nothing else, it's something that you can, instead of reading the Guardian review of films, you should read the Glacé Film Club podcast. There you go. That's films. that's the push there. That yeah. is the push. And what was the uh, article you wrote um, this week about? It was the top four films you should watch. So we watched... Uh, from, based last from, year. The, from last year. From last year. So based on the catalogue that we reviewed. Some were filmed in 2022 and some weren't, but... I picked hand selected. It's like a like a, a rare fruit. Hands hands hand picked four films, four pictures that you should watch this year. Um, Top Gun Maverick was one of them. I will always push that movie. I think it's brilliant. Um, Anthony Bourdain's Roadrunner documentary was the second. Uh, Summer of Soul 
which was a documentary about the Harlem Cultural Festival, the Summer of Soul Festival. Um, and the fourth one was The Banshees of Inisherin, which has won plenty of awards at the Golden Globes. So if you want to hear our viewpoint, you can read the the article about that, or you could even listen to the episodes on Spotify, obviously, if you're listening on Spotify, or Apple, if you're listening on Apple. If you're already listening, we thank you, but tell your friends, tell your wives, tell your husbands, tell your mothers, tell your, your sons, your daughters, tell everyone that you should listen and read the Glass A Film Club podcast. Thank you, and to all the Android listeners that have joined us recently, of thank course, you for yeah. those <laughs> operating Android devices. We welcome you to the listening experience of the Glass A Film Club podcast. Well, and also, Callum, thank you for writing that. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it. As I say, I look forward to more on those. And it ties in, as you say, very nicely to your top picks of our reviews from last year and, of course, the episodes related to those films. But that's in the past. We live in the now. We live in the moment, Callum. And right now, we've got another film lined up to review. And I want to pass it over to you to share with the with the listeners one of your amazingly... Uh, concise overviews of the film and tell them exactly what the film is. So please, without further ado, take it away. It's interesting that you say we live in the now because the movie that we're reviewing has very got a lot to do with forgetting the now and well, trying yeah, to remember absolutely. the past, really. Um, it is the 2000 American neo-noir psychological thriller film, Memento, um, written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, follows a character called Leonard Shelby, played by Guy Pearce. Um, he suffers from amnesia, um, which basically results in memory loss and um, an inability to remember um, his short-term memory, basically what he did. He can remember what he did in the past, but can't remember what he did several minutes or hours prior to actually carrying out an action. He's basically searching for the people who has attacked him and killed his wife. Um, and he's trying to put together and piece together the events using a series of uh, Polaroid photographs and tattoos um, to basically try and um, find out and investigate uh, what happened. Um, the movie plays around with narrative quite a lot. Um, it talks, it references quite this idea of dream worlds in particular, complicates the the mechanics of memory. So how do you remember things? And if you can remember, what does that look like in practice? When we tend to remember things, we tend to um, use present stimuli to try and stimulate a feeling that will take you back to somewhere else where you've been. In this instance, it's the use of of Polaroid photographs. Um, and to quote Don, Don Draper from Mad Men, um, no, not Don Draper, what am I talking about? To quote, is it Susan Sonstag? Uh, when she said, um, when we feel nostalgic, we take pictures. I think it was Susan Sontag. If I'm misquoting anyone there, call me out on it. Um, but basically, the photographs are quite symbolic and quite significant because we remember things through a particular captured moment. And what this movie is doing is it's trying to piece together memory through photography. and But at the same time, it's piecing memory by a guy who is suffering from a... An, am an amnesia and a sort of a, a complicated form of memory. Um, it's like half police investigation, half memory memory mechanics, I guess. Um, hailed as aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress. That's Memento. 
who are we to argue with the Library Indeed. of Congress at all? Yeah. We're just the Glassy Film Club podcast, but you know what? We'll have a bloody good go at arguing. Thank you, Callum. <laughs> um, so my initial reaction after watching the film was pretty good. A good film in the sense that I do like Christopher Nolan films. I've watched a few. Some I've not loved, and we'll get. I'm sure we'll mention Tenet at some point throughout this. Um, that would be on the not loved area. But really enjoyed Inception, Interstellar, and The Prestige. And we know he's very wed to this idea of throwing narrative around, often has three different narr- narratives running alongside each other, throwing into the past, back to the future and the present. That's his thing. We know what we're getting going into it. So I always take my hat off to someone who goes for an ambitious concept and pulls it off to the extent that it works. Like, it worked from a narrative perspective. Like, it was interesting to see how it went it keeps you intrigued and he is jumping back and forth the narrative does work my my main problem is that all the way through you are peeling away the layers to get to this grand reveal of like what we're not being told like we start off with the end event where he where he kills someone and then it's like okay what information are we missing how we are trying to fulfill our we're going to piece together and give our memory more flesh it out so that's the kind of nature of it the problem is there is you are built up to a, a grand reveal you know that's coming something that you've missed all along and that's the big impact point it's just that the grand reveal of this wasn't all that impactful and powerful and when the whole narrative is built around you being teased up to something that you're missing and then you're getting it and being like all right fair enough all right i get that it loses a lot of power so yes the strength of the film is that it successfully pieces together this varying narrative and in a relatively ambitious way does something which is tricky to keep consistency throughout where you're jumping back and forth so much but the problem is the actual narrative and story in a linear perspective, isn't all too epic. There's not too much to it. And when you do kind of find out at the end that he's been manipulated for his short-term memory loss, and then he basically takes it on himself to wipe out some of his memory and take on the the identity of someone that he's killed, you get it, but it's you've kind of been handed it on a plate all the way through the film. There's nothing too big, epic, or anything beyond that it's just you are slowly given the narrative you complete it great it's a scrambled up narrative given to you in different ways you get to the end of it a bit like a jigsaw and you get the picture at the end a jigsaw is a bit underwhelming when you finish it it's the anticipation of putting the pieces together and you finish it and you go i've done that next and that's kind of what i feel this film was so as much as i always respect the filmmaking of doing something a bit ambitious I also did like the symbolism and the kind of main motif running throughout it because, of course, it's showing us that memory is can be manipulated. Memory can't necessarily be trusted in our own mind. But I think the big thing it is really pushing to that I think is a little bit bigger than that is the idea of identity based on our memory because at the end, he decides, because he has the power to, is to scrub out some of his memories because he knows he's going to forget the next day and give himself notes that tell him he's a different type of person and then assume that identity, which I think the biggest and 
well, the widest comment we can take from the film and that is that we do that ourselves without realizing it we choose what memories we utilize we manipulate our own um re- memory of different events to form our identity i think that is bigger than the film i like that but narrative wise i'd say underwhelmed by the end of it callum what were your thoughts um i mean this okay so Oh God! I just thought it was. I just, <laughs> I just thought it was just brilliant. That, that doesn't fill me with hope. Oh, it was just a, it annoyed me. <laughs> An annoying film. I found the film annoying. Um, In what way? Well, this the thing. The, the issue that I have with with some some Christopher Nolan movies is that he has a sort of tendency to write everything down that he thinks is worth filming, and therefore. Um, his I think his hubris gets in the way a lot. Like he thinks he's developed something so profound, and actually he's not really done anything that other surrealist filmmakers haven't already done. It's just the only thing is he's got a huge production and a studio behind mm-hmm. him to create this film. Basically, I mean it's very Lynchian um, uh, in in some respects. Um, I quite liked so in terms of it's like I found the theme. And the premise of the film much more interesting than the substance of it. So the idea okay. of like mem- memory as a concept is incredibly interesting. I just think there's better ways to address that and better ways to 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 film it and think about it. I mean, obviously the premise is that you know he's trying to find he's trying to find um, the the people that killed his wife. Um, Leonard Shelby. He's trying to find the people that killed, attacked him, and killed his wife. And it's just like, it's just it, the film isn't about a police investigation or a criminal investigation. The film is about memory. I feel like it's just kind of like been put the, the police and the 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 criminal investigation element, or that sort of like the the attack element, have been placed in there to sort of satisfy a sort of a popular culture, really, um, in some respects. In terms of like the mechanics of memory, though, it's quite interesting. I mean, the opening scene when he's like, take, when he takes the Polaroid and he's like um, uh, wafting it, and it starts clear and then it slowly begins to blur. Stylistically, that's incredibly uh, interesting. And I think there are moments when no one can do interesting things. I mean, the whole the whole point of a Polaroid picture developing is that the symbolism of that is very interesting in the sense that when you take a Polaroid it starts off blurry and then it gradually becomes clearer almost as if the mem- the moment that you've captured is slowly being frozen in time right that's interesting and then obviously because he's reversed it it's like the moment that you thought was frozen in time is slowly becoming blurrier and slowly ebbing away that is the nature of memory you forget things or if you or you you pay attention to certain aspects of memory or you you glamorize other aspects of memory or you focus on different aspects of when as you move through life um it's why i find memoirs as a concept very interesting because it's a reflection and you basically you, you you choose which elements you remember and choose which elements you try to remember um this movie taps into that idea of 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 the mechanics of it and you know the juxtaposition between the black and white um photographs for example they're all in that chronological order which is a stylistic choice like black and white photography is usually chosen to emphasize um the form of a of a subject or the form of an object whereas color can quite often 
confused narrative because there's so much colour going on. There's not one specific thing you can focus on because there's just so much colour going on. You know, it's interesting that the colour obviously isn't in order. The coloured photographs are are complicating narrative. I thought there was that was quite interesting. Um, you know, and there's a choice of how we remember and what we remember. But again, I just think it, it remind it's basically the same movie as Tenet. Tenant, Tenet? Tenet. Tenet. It had such a profound impact on me. I can't even remember the name of it. It's the only movie I went to the cinema to watch where I nearly walked out of. <laughs> wow. Um, it's just, I just find it such a profound sense of hubris um, in, the, in, in putting forward these ideas of memory, but it's just not done very well. Like it's just this the, sort of backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. I just find it incredibly boring and laboured and obscure, but not for, for but for all the wrong reasons. I quite like laboured and obscure some in some respects. I quite like movies that do that. My writing is both of those things, laboured and obscure. Um but let's talk about hubris, and then he immediately starts talking about his <laughs> yeah. fucking, fucking beautiful, writing. Beautiful Jesus Christ. Ball. There's a circle going on here in there. Maybe me and Christopher Norman would be best friends. Yeah. Um but no, I just found it annoying and boring and I just think there's better ways to um talk and film about memory that isn't about oh you know what happened to my dead wife i'm just like oh that's my that's my two pounds. okay yeah hey i i get you to an extent is that i, I don't feel the the anti-passion um that you two <laughs> uh, you do as, as as strongly but i get what you mean like i agree that i think the genre is a little bit forced at the time because it is yeah. I do like the idea. Okay, I think the memory element is quite obvious. It's saying memory can be manipulated and can't be trusted. I think that's clear. That's a good theme to go down. Makes for an interesting plot. Um, I really like, as I mentioned before, how it leads on to a bigger element of that as identity. It's how we individually choose our memories. And what you said there about memoirs is something that's quite big because a memoir is basically saying, here are the memories somebody has chosen to um, keep how they've chosen to relate to them and how they've chosen to distribute them. Going back to Bourdain again, as we often do on this, on the um, Roadrunner documentary, I think it might have been, or it might be in the biography I'm reading about at the minute. Um, <laughs> it says that Anthony Bourdain would, was often known to embellish an anecdote um, to make it more yeah. entertaining or enjoyable for someone because you want them to get something out of it. There's that idea of enhancing memories or, or looking at them in different ways. I like that. I like how it leads to the identity. You can take something from that personally. But as you say, this kind of American crime element of it just does very much feel like, oh, if we set it in this kind of popular arena, even yeah. people who don't necessarily want the memory elements, don't want the identity element, they get a back-and-forth narrative set in a gritty crime drama. Okay, C- can be a bit of a cop-out if, you do, if you're someone who does believe, oh, I want to do something a bit bigger than this, which I think Christopher Nolan kind of does. So I get the frustration there. But... I again, I take my hat off to anyone who's bold with themes like that and does it in an ambitious way. So I think from that element, I, d- I did enjoy it from that side. And even though the crime bit was a bit linear, I enjoyed the setting of it because I think that Christopher Nolan's very good at symbolism. He uses symbols a lot in his films, 
I mean, a lot of physical symbols. So in this, the photography is there. And we know how important and prominent photography is in the idea of memory. We could really have a full go on that, um, regardless of this film. But the the visual imagery as well of when the scenes are cutting back and forth, going into the past and the present, when we see the characters physically in different states, their their visual appearance, whether it be the scratches on his face, the clothes he's wearing, how he looks, how he comes across, that gives us more to work with in terms of it's not necessarily just the dialogue that's important, that's what we're seeing, it's what we're piecing together. So our interpretation of other people's... Um, memories and how they look at times that all gives you different elements and levels to it which i do very much enjoy but i don't think there's much more to say beyond that on the element of identity and memory i think there's some good stuff going on there but i don't i think it's quite clear there's nothing too subtle um or too subtle about it go on Cam, sorry, go. well i was just gonna say i mean the thing is as well like i mean the, another reason why I think this ish, this film doesn't really sort of sit well with me is also because it's trying to sort of like, I can imagine a lot of people who have gone to watch this movie and just been like, oh, that's really, really interesting that. Yeah, yeah, really good. Like, because, this is you just yeah. judging the people who go and watch it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not in the business of slander, um, he says, after just spending 20 minutes ripping... Um, anyway, no, it's just oh, it's just a bit of a pound shop picture, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's just oh, it's just I've got all these concepts of like oh yeah, I've got this idea about memory, and I'm like gonna I'm gonna like position it in the context of amnesia because that's what mo- like that's what if we if we know if we have problems with memory, oh it's it has to be about amnesia. It's not just about the you know someone just forgetting something or trying to understand or make sense of the the act that's been carried out like or make sense of your own life everyone is having those complications and those those conversations in their head but whenever it comes to film it tends to when whenever whenever it's approached with that way it, it always goes one of two ways it's either it has to be addressed in a science fiction genre or it has to be addressed in this sort of like psychological thriller drama that errs on the sense of the unbelievable this idea of the you know what i mean because like when you're watching the film it's like it's the 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 camera going backwards it's it's a bit science fictiony or a bit sort of like it's not positioned in the real or the now and i get why they do it because obviously it's trying to evidence the fact that memory it's going backwards and things like that i just think there's there's better ways to do it. But what about the element of trauma in this? Because we've talked about how it just uses memory to kind of fuel the narrative, but yeah. how it concludes is basically saying the reason that he chooses this other identity and the reason that he has mixed his memory up is because of the trauma he went through um, when his wife was attacked. And basically throughout the film, he suggests that his wife got killed and he uses this other character that he says mm. that he, when he was an insurance investigator, who's someone who had short-term memory loss, and he investigated him and uses him as an example. But it turns out that was actually him in the kind of Fight Club-esque style where the mm. other character that's created is actually him. He's created this almost alter ego that he tells people about, but it's actually him. He's using that to deal with the trauma and justify what went on with his wife and that he couldn't remember his wife after this attack. 
what do you think? Because there's, there's another element there. Like, so criticism of Nola is not just using memory to facilitate the narrative. There's an exploration of that idea of trauma there. Do you think there's more to that? I mean, yes, in some respects. Um, I mean, memory and trauma are two things that are intimately linked. The, it's like, it's, it's more about, it's more about consciousness. I mean, I guess the experience of trauma with regards to memory is very interesting because obviously like the whole premise of, of the character's exploration of trauma and exploration, his exploration of trauma is intimately linked with his all with his exploration of memory at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're not one or the other. They are, they're combined in that respect. Um, I mean, <sighs> well, it does serve that kind of purpose. I said before of, it's another form of building your own identity around your memories. Again, it's just an ex- more mm. extreme way of doing it. And I think what this film does, and I think I'll give it credit, is it's a very on-the-nose, extreme version of what memory does. So he's basically saying that here's a guy who's short term memory loss, and he's gone through uh, extreme trauma, and he's built his own identity around choosing different mm. memories. And as I said before, the suggestion is that's what we do on a softer level. So the film goes to the extreme so we can have a little bit of a learning from it. My only problem then is, and I think you've kind of suggested this in a, a bit more of a passionate way, but I'll take a little bit from it, <laughs> is that it it is relatively straightforward how it tells it there's not too much nuance to it it's kind of like look at this take this from it and that's fine that's fine it's just not too complex in how it does it so it doesn't leave much room for interpretation beyond that i mean the thing is it's more it's for me it's all about aesthetic like and i don't i don't particularly like the aesthetic of how it's filmed okay I just don't find the the mode in which the aesthetic mode in which it's been made is is incredibly engaging. It doesn't engage me, mm-hmm. um, and consequently, I just I feel like it's I don't know. It's just it's just not engaging. That's that's all it, that's all I can say. It's not engaging, and I just feel it's a bit um, laboured and obscure, but for all the wrong reasons. Saying that though, I do like there are really good moments in the in the in the picture when it's talking about. I love the black and white chronological aspects of the, and I love I love I love the 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 idea of Polaroid picture generating memory. For me, I can relate to that. That's interesting. I like that. I like the construction of narrative with regards to that, and I like the premise of the film in terms of how it complicates narrative. Um, I just uh, just couldn't really get in get into it. That's fair enough. That's fair yeah. enough. Just before we wrap up, I just there was one other point I wanted to add in there, and I think it is, and it is talked about in the film. This idea of your raison d'être, your reason to be, because he. Yeah is his one aim, and he has it tattooed on his body, is to kill John G, who's the person who, in his mind, killed his wife. So that is his raison d'etre, and why he's at this motel, why he's in this town, and that's mm. that's referred to a lot in the film, but the kind of concluding scenes, he's told, he's like, you need your John G. And then when he drives off, he says... Um, about the guy he kills, okay, you can be my John G. He accepts that, that he needs that in his life. He needs the purpose because after he's realized he's killed someone, that purpose is gone. And that purpose is manipulated by um, the other characters in it. But Mm. I think that is an interesting element to the film is this idea of 
purpose and needing a purpose. So this is what maybe this is what he's saying is the justification of why we manipulate our own memories within our mind is because it's to fit the purpose that we want in the future. If we don't have a purpose, then we don't feel like going on and we all find a purpose in our life and we fit our memories to fit that purpose. And when that purpose changes, our memories adapt towards it. I get so I like how that links in, and that is that's the, I say that's the more subtle element that's added in the film. I think that's nice. I think that works. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I, I the thing is the, that the ending really is about um, how like what elements do you focus on in terms of to generate your own sense of self? Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I'm going to casually forget this because I don't like how that fits in with who I am, mm-hmm. but I'm going to. I'm going to embrace this because that fits in with who I am. I get that. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, there's an element of trying to convince you, convince yourself as well that you're something else. Yeah. That's what Shelby basically does in the film. He's trying to convince himself that something happened or something didn't happen, um, which I guess maybe is a comment on um, the innate uh, trauma or vulnerability of the human mind in a way. Um, but, I, th- I again, I, I also think that... Uh, combined with me and you I think we're giving um, another arc to the movie that it didn't necessarily have okay so. okay that's fair <laughs> that's fair well, I think on that note let's let's wrap this up let's get it wrapped up yeah let's my perspective as I said at the beginning my re- initial reaction that I stand by is pretty good um, I respect the ambition I always do respect the ambition of someone who's going to play with the style and pull it off in terms of the way that the narrative goes back and forth. Yes, the memory element is fairly obviously done, but I do like how that links to what the viewer takes from it of this idea of how we form our identity based on our memories and choosing those different memories. That works. I agree with you, Callum, in terms of the setting of the film and the kind of genre of it just felt a little bit forced and unnecessary in some ways. And when it comes down to it, when you piece all those elements of the narrative together into a linear one it wasn't all that epic or meaningful the narrative or all that interesting it's just it is given a little bit extra by the fact that it's thrown about so it's more a experience for the viewer necessarily than for the viewers to get too much out of so Mm. even though i didn't find it too overwhelmingly exciting interesting or fulfilling i still think it was pretty good so for that i'm going to give it six out of ten callum um, I'm not going to give it that at all. Um, the thing is, I've seen quite a lot of Christopher Nolan movies, and notably, um, like Dunkirk is probably he he did that. And the reason why that's a good movie is because there's very little dialogue in it. Um, but he still plays with that idea of memory in that in that film, and it's better because there's not as much dialogue in it. Basically, Christopher Nolan needs to potentially just direct movies rather than write them. Um, I found the uh, I found the, the 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 script to be just a little bit too bloated in some respects. Um, I like the mechanics of the memory. I like I like the premise of the film in some respects. Um, 
I liked the, you know, the black and white photography versus the color, not photography, sorry, the black and white. Yeah, the Polaroids versus the the colored ones. Um, I like the fact that it's pushing us to think about this idea of a dream world. What do you remember? What don't you remember? Is something real? Is it not real? Or is it just an imag- a fixation of your own your own sense of self? There's lots and lots of great things in there. The problem is I just think it's very poorly executed. Now, I was going to give it three out of ten. But that's quite harsh, so I'm going to give it two. No, I'm joking. I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it four and a half, um, because of the premise of the film. The only thing that for me that saves it is the fact that it's it, it's about the mechanics of memory, which I find quite interesting. I just think it's poorly executed. That'll be my analysis. Thank you very much, Callum. It's all right. And there we have it. There's another film for another episode. Thank you once again, Callum, for giving me all your insight and being a great sparring buddy in terms of the discussion of another th- film. We, of course, look forward to diving into more and I look forward to reading more of your writings about films, ideas, thoughts, and anything that's banging around in your head at that moment in time. But that's it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back very soon with more reviews. We also have a few conversation episodes lined up with a few interesting, exciting people, all creative sort of types, so you can look forward to that. We are going in hard in 2023 on the Glass A Film Club podcast, and we were we really like it if you joined us in this journey. So once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, that was another episode of the Glass A Film Club podcast. We'll see you all later.